you want to turn to Luke chapter 1, we'll be there in just a couple moments. Um, I want to begin by reflecting with you on uh, a portion of scripture which shows the influence of mothers. Uh, keep going to Luke chapter 1, but in over in 2 Timothy chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says to young Timothy, I thank God remembering you in my prayers uh, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. Uh, he's commending Timothy that he really knows the Lord. You have genuine faith in God, that genuine, which was first in your grandmother Lois, and then was in your mother Eunice. So you see the influence of a grandmother and then a mother sharing spiritual things so that Paul commends Timothy for the things that you know and understand. And you know, it's amazing. Uh, some of us have known the Lord for many years. Some of us, maybe not all of us, have had uh, parents who are believers. And it's amazing the things that they've taught us that God has used in our lives and experience and actually used to bring us along in this journey in life. Mothers, moms, grandmas can have a tremendous and great influence upon children for the Lord Jesus Christ. I found a book this week called Mothers of Influence. And um, it, there is a, a, an amazing amount of uh, mothers in this country who have had tremendous influence upon their children. I'm going to just mention three. One is Mauro Graham. She prayed much for her son, Billy. And, of course, he became a world-famous evangelist. She taught young Billy to believe God, to trust him, and, this one's neat, to believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. And, of course, how often do you hear Billy Graham say, now the Bible says, and uh, where did he first learn that? From his mother. She taught him that God is the true and living God, and uh, the Bible is the inspired word of God. So a mother of influence prays diligently for her children. Another mother I want to mention is uh, Nancy Hanks Lincoln and uh, Sarah Bush Johnson. Um, 1788 to 1869. Abraham Lincoln's mother and stepmother encouraged the future president of the United States to read often. Isn't that interesting? To read often. And to aspire to a greater life. Don't miss this and don't take it wrong. To aspire to a greater life than farming. Even there, there were those in his family who would say, well, he's lazy. He's reading all the time. But you see, God was using that call in his life. So um, Lincoln's mother and grand, uh, stepmother were greatly used by God, influencing him for what God had for him. Sarah Wesley, a lot of people like to think about Sarah Wesley. There's been a number of things written. Uh, I'm sorry, Susanna Wesley. 1669 to 1742. She only had 19 children. The interesting thing is only nine lived to adulthood. 
But she spent at least one hour a day, she records this in her journal, she spent at least one hour a day praying for her children, all of them, and she spent one hour a week talking to each child face-to-face about spiritual responsibilities before God. Women of influence. Very interesting. We can learn from them for sure. Now, there's a lot of women in the Bible, as Bob mentioned when he prayed this morning. Eve, of course, was the first mother. And even though she had sinned against God with Adam, uh, Eve actually showed her children and children born in subsequent generations the beauty of having repentance, forgiveness, and restoration with God. Uh, That truth is spelled out, actually, in various parts of Scripture. Eve, the first mother. Naomi, mother-in-law of Ruth, taught her daughter-in-law, Ruth, that God, the God of Israel, is the true and living God. I remember a number of years ago, I was at the state fair, and there was a woman who had a booth across from our booth, and um, she was from a Jewish background, and I'd go over and talk to her, and I'd talk to her about the true and living God which is actually her Messiah, but she didn't know it. She didn't know Jesus yet. And she said, you keep saying the true and living God. Isn't that who our God is? Isn't he the true and living and only God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Well, that's what uh, Naomi taught her daughter-in-law, and that there is a true and living God, the God of Israel, and that he is a God of love, and he's a God of forgiveness, and he's a God of grace. Last one I want to mention is Hannah, of course, who is the mother of Samuel. And she promised her son uh, would serve the Lord. And she fulfilled her promise to the Lord. And when he was old enough, she actually took Samuel to the tabernacle herself. And Samuel, of course, became one of the greatest prophets in Israel. This morning, for a few moments together, I want us to focus on Mary's example for mothers But our example for all of us is found in Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. It's interesting when we look at various scriptures related to uh, Mary, uh, the mother of the Lord Jesus. One of the passages that really stands out in the account in Luke chapter 1 is the fact that the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and said, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, there's a lot that we can already glean from this one little verse. Uh, As believers, we've been favored by the Lord. You're saved today if you know Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, but there are many people around us who aren't saved. That's experiencing the favor of God. Um, blessed are you the Lord is with you Uh, we constantly need to remind ourselves of the presence of the Lord in our lives when you ask people for what are some of the great promises of the word of God the first one they almost always say is the Lord's promise I will never leave you nor forsake you so when you're driving home from here when you're in the activity afternoon Monday morning Friday morning No matter when, the Lord is with you. Well, Gabriel said that to Mary. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And uh, we ask ourselves the question, why was Mary addressed as 
highly favored? It's a good question. It really is. We have to ask ourselves that question. Why did Mary find favor with God? And I believe the answer is found when you study Luke 1 and 2 because she was humble and submissive to do the will of God. Now, we're going to end with that. We're going to end the message by saying, you know, why was Mary, because other women could have been chosen in the nation of Israel, but God chose Mary, and we're going to see why as we continue on. Because she was humble before God and submissive to do the will of God. She chose to do what God wanted her to do. And uh, that's why she said in Luke 1.38, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. The angel had said to her, You will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. She's going to give birth to the promised Messiah of the Old Testament scriptures. And she said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. I am the Lord's servant, and I will do what he wants me to do. Now stay with me on this. God's blessing on Mary, who was honored to become the mother of the promised Messiah, don't miss this now, would lead to much pain in her life. Some of her peers would ridicule her. She's with child. She's not yet married to Joseph in the marriage sense. She was engaged. Even Joseph, her fiancé, would come close to leaving her. And, of course, her son would be rejected and hung on a cross. In other words, we keep this in mind when we look at the life of Mary. A person like Mary might be in the will of God. And might have children, but still experience pain. Um, mothers and fathers know it's not easy to raise a child, especially in this generation. But there is the grace of God that can be poured into the life. When uh, you think of pain with regards to having children, you think of Mary. And we're going to talk more about this. Her submission to God was part of God's plan to bring about the Savior who would go to the cross for us. And the point again is this. Even when you are in the will of God, there may be times of sorrow because of family concerns. That's an important principle that we glean from the life of Mary. But Mary patiently waited for God to work out all aspects of his plan in her life. I'm going to repeat that. She waited upon the Lord to work out various aspects of his plan for her life. She experienced pain at various times in her life. And yet she stayed surrendered, willing to do the will of God in her life. She waited for God to work. You know the reference. Perhaps you know it real well. Isaiah 40 verse 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Wow. If we just stop there with that great verse. They that wait upon... And there are times when all of us have had to wait upon the Lord for him to give us the strength. Maybe it's not physical strength. Maybe it's emotional strength. Where do we get it? We get it from our God. Because even though we know Christ is Savior, 
there will come pain into our lives. There's no such thing as a Christian life that doesn't have some kind of pain attached to us. The Lord never said, when you trust me as Savior, life's going to be a bed of roses. That's not how the Bible is presented. That's not how the Bible presents the Christian life. But the point is, you must never forget this, that you as a believer, even though you come to things in your life and experience, sometimes that you don't understand, and and from your perspective they may be uh, unexplainable, that your God, your Savior, your Shepherd goes with you all through the journey. And he certainly did with Mary. Mary is not only called one who found favor with God, but she's also called by some people a woman after God's own heart. And as we read the account of the birth of Christ and we understand the the record of events that went into her experience, many believe, think about this for a minute, many believe that Mary may have told a lot about the birth of Christ to Luke, the gospel writer himself. It's interesting to think about. It's interesting if you look at another verse with me in chapter 2, verse 19, where it says, But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Boy, all kinds of things were happening in her life after the Lord chose her to be the mother of the promised Messiah. In fact, you look at the account and you hear the words of the angel to the shepherds. And the Lord said to the shepherds through the angel, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He's born of a woman. He's the God-man. And God, of course, wanted that message to go out into the whole world that this one promised in the Old Testament Scriptures who would not only redeem Israel, but would redeem, deliver from sin and bondage all those who put their faith in Him can be delivered from sin. He's a Savior. God wanted this message to be spread out. And he chose shepherds to do it. And the text tells us that wasting no time, the shepherds went to Bethlehem to verify the angel's message. And after they saw the Christ child, immediately they began to spread the good news. And the text of Scripture says in 2.18, All who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But notice 2.19. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. She understood that God was doing things in her life. The events that were happening, the shepherds coming, having been told by the angel that the Savior was born. All these things that were happening at that time. Mary being chosen by God uh, to be impregnated by the Holy Spirit all these things. The text of Scripture says she kept all these things and the translation of the word kept sometimes is and she treasured all these things. In other words, uh, the idea is Mary took the truth of God, the things which God was doing in her life, and she treasured them in her heart. And you know, you and I as believers, God's doing many things for us day by day. And sometimes we say, well, you know, my... Uh, my daily, my schedule daily is kind of like ordinary. I go to work, I eat my meals, I uh, take care of the children. I do all that. But it's amazing if you will step back 
and see the faithfulness of God in your life. God's protection when you're out on the road. God's wisdom when you need wisdom to communicate to your children. It is amazing what God does for us. Mary, seeing all the things that God was doing for her in her life, she pondered them in her heart. She knew that God was working in a wonderful way. And you know, none of us should ever forget the verse, you may forget the reference of Philippians chapter 2 verse 13, which says, It is God who is working in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Listen, friends, we wouldn't be here this morning if it were not for Jesus Christ. We would not be here. He has guided us as a shepherd. He has protected us. He has saved us when we trusted him as personal savior from sin. And he promises to go with you and me all the way to glory when we're in heaven with him. Now Mary's uh, song of praise in the passage that was read this morning, verses 46 to 55, is really an encouragement for us all. Chapter 1, 46 to 55. And it shows us actually how Mary, the mother of God, uh, that is the mother of the Lord, Jesus, stayed on an encouraging mode through some of the deep trials that she experienced. I'm going to repeat that. The song of praise, verses 46 to 55, is an encouragement to all of us. And it shows how Mary even before the delivering of the Lord Jesus at birth, stayed encouraged and committed to doing the will of God in her life. Simeon, you remember, prophesied to Mary and said, not only will you be blessed, but Simeon said, a sword will pierce through your own soul. And of course that sword passed through her soul when she stood at the foot of the cross and saw her son die on the cross for her. But you see, Mary drew close to God. And you can sit down and you can read the passages concerning Mary and you can start jotting things down about her. You know, Mary, she loved the Lord. She drew close to God. Um, We answered the question, why was Mary chosen? Because she was close to God. She loved God. She knew God. She fellowshiped with God. She worshiped God. And we're going to see all these things as we continue to dig into these uh, two chapters concerning Mary. And this love for God, this knowledge of God, all preceded the fact that she was called to be the mother of the Lord Jesus. And because this is true, she couldn't help but reflect upon the goodness and the uniqueness of God as seen in verses 46 through 55. Now it's interesting. Uh, We want to deal with something I think is really interesting. When you read that section of scripture, and remember that's her words of praise after she finds out that she's going to be the mother of the Lord Jesus. And it's filled with great truth. Now, keep this in mind. She didn't have a personal copy of the scriptures. She didn't have an Old Testament. She heard the Old Testament, but she didn't have a personal copy. You know what that tells me? 
That tells me when Mary went to worship God with her family, that she listened to the word of God. You know, I thank the Lord. It's one thing my parents taught me, too. When you're in church, be listening. Be listening to what's said. Be listening when the scripture is read. She listened. And she listened intently to the word of God. It's, uh, it's amazing how often Jesus said something like this. If you have ears to hear, hear. In other words, his point was, when you hear the word of God, which he spoke, he said, I have given you the words of my Father in heaven. He often said to um, those he ministered to. In fact, Jesus said, uh, a sower went out to sow his seed in Luke chapter 8. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, some fell on a rock, and some fell among thorns. But some fell on good ground and yielded a hundredfold. Now what was that? That was the seed of the word of God. In other words, when you hear the word of God, God will use it in your life and you will be fruitful as a result of hearing what God says. You may hear a verse of scripture that says, pray for one another. There's 19 one another phrases in the word of God. Some say there's 20, 21. I like 19. But anyway, um, supposing you hear that. Supposing you hear that we're to pray for one another. Well, obviously, husbands need to pray for their wives. Wives need to pray for their husbands. Parents need to pray for their children. But we need to pray for one another in the family of God. And it's amazing the fruit that comes as a result of praying. Uh, someone in our fellowship just recently invited a friend to the men's Bible study. And don't miss this now. He didn't come, but he's very interested and hearing more about the word of God. So we had the chance to pray for him. You see, when you hear the word of God and you respond to it, it brings fruit into your life as a believer. Mary's uh, desire, of course, was, uh, and in fact, 146, if you look at that verse, well, this is one of the key verses. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord, 40, uh, 47a, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Now there's a sense in which we can say, well, you know, God doesn't need anybody to enlarge him, uh, to make him be uh, more impressive to others. That's not the idea. She said, my soul magnifies the Lord because I have seen what he has done for me and he has chosen me to be the mother of the Messiah. She says, my soul makes great the Lord. My soul exalts the Lord. And so I want to answer the question, how can God be enlarged in our lives? How do we magnify the Lord? I, I just used, I jot, jotted down two things. First one is, when you reflect upon God, and you reflect upon the fact that God is creator, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Evolution, zero, nix. Not true, okay? Just not true. You cannot coordinate evolution and the teaching of Scripture. In the beginning, God created the heavens. So when you think of God as being the creator, and I like to ask the young people in like Awana, uh, what's the first verse in the Bible? And they'll get it out. I think children should know the first verse in the Bible. Clearly. In the beginning, God created our world, the heaven and the earth. 
when you reflect upon the fact that your God is the creator of the world in which we live, you magnify the Lord in your own life. Psalm 33, verse 6, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. And I remember Joseph Hinojosa, who asked the, uh, the guys in Awana clubs, he said, uh, could you make anything by speaking? And they got real quiet. And uh, their answer, of course, was absolutely not. No, can't do it. But God did. He created our world by let there be light. Let there be this. Let there be that. That's God's creation. When you reflect upon God as creator, you're magnifying him. And, of course, you magnify the Lord when you think of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verses of scripture come to your heart like, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes were healed. Yesterday, Doris Allen, she's 98, by the way, Doris Allen was saying, uh, Pastor, she said, I was involved in a discussion this week here at the home, and I, I was tempted to ask just now, who won the discussion? Did you, Doris? But um, she said, they were discussing who crucified Jesus. And um, someone said, well, the Father in heaven did because he laid on Christ the iniquity of us all. But, you know, I said, Doris, that's true that the Lord allowed the Son to go to Calvary and give his life for us. But, um, well, then she said, well, people were saying, well, it's the Jews that crucified Jesus. Well, they were involved. And then she said, someone else said, well, the Romans crucified Jesus. True. I said, Doris, what about you and me? Didn't our sins put Christ on the cross? And she said, I like that. <laughs> it's true. Jesus died for us. He paid for our sins on the cross. And we are so thankful. So when you think about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, you're magnifying the Lord. When you say, Lord, I'm just so thankful for my salvation. I'm thankful for the true gospel, the greatest message in the whole world. There's no message more important than the gospel. Jesus died for you, and he died for me. My soul magnifies the Lord. Mary uh, obviously praised God for what he did for her. By the way, did you notice very quickly in chapter 1, verse 47, that she says, My spirit rejoiced in God, my Savior. Mary was saved. She was a sinner. Now there are some in big Christianity who feel that she wasn't a sinner. Mary was a sinner and she knew that God saved her from her sins. And if somebody's born again, you can mark it, mark it down. They understand that once they were lost and then they were found by the Lord and saved. Once they were blind spiritually, but now they see, they can see that Christ gave his life and died for our sins. She knew that. She uh, realized that she was saved. And then you'll notice it says in 1 verse 48, he has regarded me. And the idea there is God was watching her life. God was pleased with her life as she listened to the word of God and knew the word of God and grew in her relationship with God. God regarded her and involved in that is not only was he thinking about her, but he was working in her life he was working on her behalf and again that's proven by the fact that she says 
the Lord has done great things for me. How true that is. The Lord has done great things for me. Secondly, she not only praised God for what he did for her, but she praised God for what he did for the people of Israel. Look at verse 50 just quickly. For his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. And notice verse 54. He has helped his servant Israel. And even though there were multitudes in the nation of Israel who were in rebellion against God, she knew that God still had a plan for his people, Israel. Now, very quickly, she again remained encouraged. And please don't forget this. She went through a lot of pain and suffering, having been chosen by God to bring the Messiah into our world, to have the Son. She stayed encouraged, and this I want us to take this home. She stayed encouraged by her knowledge of God. And I like how Charles Ryrie and his theology, there's some others that do it, but he's the main one that I first saw do it. He called the attributes of God or the characteristics of God the perfections of God. God is perfect in love. God is perfect in holiness. He's perfect. Well, let, let's quickly notice that she says this. In 149, she said, holy is his name. She knows that God is holy. When you think of the holiness of God, you think of the fact that he possesses absolute perfection. So, mothers, please keep in mind that God does allow things we don't understand in our lives. And we don't understand certain things that happen in relationship to our children. But please don't forget, God is perfect. He makes no mistakes. He's an awesome and a wonderful God. She acknowledged it. She said, holy is his name. He's also merciful. Verse 50, did you see she knows that? His mercy is on those who fear him. That's us. God's mercy has been called his compassion on man in light of his needs. <clears throat> Every once in a while you hear a Christian say, God's been merciful to me. He's been merciful to me too as well. He's an awesome God. In fact, the mercy of God is actually best seen in the work of Jesus Christ. I'll just mention the verse real quickly, Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ when we were spiritually dead in trespasses and sins. I love to hear the account of someone who said, you know, I have a friend and they're not interested in God at all. In fact, I think they're dead towards God. Well, you know, before a person's saved... They're not going to be getting all charged up about hearing about our awesome God. But that verse says that God is rich in mercy and he reaches down and he saves those who are dead in trespasses and sins. And you want to think about the mercy of God? You know, we're here today and we have salvation. Isn't that awesome? Did, is there somebody here who say, you know, I deserve to go to heaven? Uh, I really deserve to go? No. God was merciful to us. She says also God's powerful, and I mentioned just two more. He's powerful. He has shown strength with his arm, 151 and 52. The power of God is his his ability to do anything that relates to his own desire and will. Ephesians 1.11, God works all things according to the counsel of his will. And the last characteristic or perfection of God, she said, God is good. 
And we like to do that, by the way, to see if we remember. God is good. All the time. She knew it. Mary knew it very well. In verse 53, he has filled the hungry with good things. Psalm 52, 1, the goodness of God endures continually. And the goodness of God refers to his absolute perfection. See, God can't do anything bad. Boy, thank you, Lord. I didn't say God can't do anything that we don't understand. I said God can't do anything bad because he's good. And um, the word of God, you'll like this. You will like this. Some of you jot down references. Be sure you know Nahum 1.7. It says, The Lord is good and a stronghold in the day of trouble. He's good, and when he sees you and me in trouble, and we can get in trouble, the Lord is good, but he's a stronghold to those who trust him in the day of trouble. And it is amazing. And we could have testimonies how the Lord has brought you and he's brought me along because he's an awesome and good God and Savior. He's holy, Mary said. He's merciful, Mary said. He's powerful and he is filled with goodness. And she said, he has chosen me to be the mother of the Messiah and it is my desire to magnify him before all others. And down through the generations, all generations will call me blessed because God has chosen me to be the mother of the Messiah. And we can experience the comfort, the encouragement, even though we've been chosen to salvation and live in a different day, we know that the same God who took care of Mary and encouraged her when she was going through some real trials which mothers can go through. The same God encourages you and me because he is awesome. Let's pray together.